Today's global consumers clear in their demand for safe, affordable, and sustainable protein. To continue to meet these rising expectations requires both leadership and collaboration with food chain stakeholders, academia, and the veterinary community. Animal Health is pleased to amplify the voices of leaders throughout the protein supply chain here on this podcast, caring for animals and creating trust in food. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Jane Dukes, and I'll be hosting today's conversation. I think we can all agree the COVID-19 pandemic has been hard on everyone and brought with it complications for every business. Now we enter a third year of the pandemic, which promises to bring continued challenges and more change. The U.S. beef industry is balancing strong market prices with lower cattle numbers and higher costs for labor, transportation, feed, and more, while also managing international shifts and workforce shortages. On the retail side of the food value chain, finding workers remains the top food service challenge, coupled with keeping shelves stocked amid ongoing supply chain struggles. And at the center of the food industry focus is the ever-evolving consumer who is looking at food differently. In addition to filling empty bellies, consumers are increasingly using food to improve their health, and they want transparency and sustainability. It's a tall order for the industry to address. As the food value chain collectively faces challenges and change, How can collaboration from producer to retailer help all segments of the industry adapt in advance? Where can we leverage innovation to help navigate these new challenges? And how can we pivot to meet new consumer demands in this ever-changing environment? That's what we'll discuss today, and joining me are Jessica Clauser-Burkham, the Beef Alliance Managing Director, and Craig Wilson, Vice President, Quality Assurance and Food Safety from our favorite grocer, Costco. Jessica, Craig, welcome to Caring for Animals and Creating Trust. I'm looking forward to our conversation, so let's get started. Jessica, let's start with you. Can you start by sharing a little about the Beef Alliance for our listeners and tell us how your organization is approaching the challenges and opportunities facing the beef industry? Sure. Thanks, Jane. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast today and for the invitation. Really looking forward to today's conversation. The Beef Alliance is a partnership between the nine largest cattle feeding companies in the country. Collectively, the alliance represents about 30% of total fed cattle supply in the nation, and we're really focused on being that positive driver for change throughout the entire beef supply chain. And essentially what I mean by that is when we address challenges and opportunities, for example, environmental stewardship, sustainability, as well as providing our consumers with the safest, highest quality, most affordable product, the Alliance is focused on initiatives that support and guide innovation to let us address those challenges and let's get those goals met in the cattle industry. So in everything that we do, the Beef Alliance is dedicated to not only enhancing transparency and stewardship, but also we like to say that we're setting the gold standard for feedlot production. There are countless challenges, as, as you discussed in your opening, with regards to labor, access to technology, consumer trends. But the Alliance prides ourselves on being forward thinking in the industry and identifying and dealing with these industry disruptions. We want to utilize our size. We are the biggest. So we definitely want to use that to positively influence not only policy, but business partner relationships with our packers, retailers, and food service, 
and address industry trends to foster some long-term viability while essentially delivering high quality and nutritious products. That's great. And I'm, I'm hoping we'll be able to get into a lot of these topics. You talked about innovation and transparency. I know that's a big consumer desire right now and, and also stewardship and sustainability. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. So thank you. Craig, on the retail side of the food value chain, you face very similar challenges. Tell us how Costco is approaching year three of pandemic-created conundrums and what opportunities do you see? Well, interesting question. Thanks for having me, by the way. The interesting things that we see right now is the improvement, quite frankly, in our workforce. We've always paid well. We've always taken care of our employees, and that's really paid off during the pandemic. We've had very strict pandemic rules within our retail buildings and our processing facilities, and we feel that today that's helped us. It's really nice to see this uh, up-and-coming change that we're going to be seeing. And as you know, or as you might not know, Costco has very few SKUs in our building. I know when everybody goes into Costco, they go, oh, they've got thousands and thousands of different items. And that's not true. We've got, you know, 3,500 SKUs in most cases in most buildings. So our supply chains have been able to keep up, as it were. So we've been very, very lucky in supplying not only our our retail members, but our wholesale members with the goods they need to either purchase themselves or buy for purchasing. So as, as we look to the future and as we look to getting, quote unquote, back into business, as, as a lot of people have said, we just want to keep things normal. We want to make sure that we've got the toilet paper when you need it, that we've got all the beef skews that uh, we're so well known for, and keep that approach working with great employees and continuing to build that base. Well, that's great. And so we all know where we should be shopping. I hope so. I, I, I'm assuming that both you and Jessica are Costco members, by the way. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Executive membership. Oh, oh, she's fancy. No, she likes that oh. re- refund. It would appear that no matter which sector of the food value chain you call home, we, we share similar challenges. We've touched on this inflation, driving food prices up, and in some cases, consumer demand down, although we're, we're not seeing that with beef, according to the latest uh, research. Uh, labor and the lack of available workers, supply chain issues, which impact product availability and, and evolving consumer preferences and demand. So let's start talking about collaboration. How do we work together and collaborate to face the challenges where possible to turn these challenges and opportunities? And can you both share some examples of how the food supply chain from producer, which you know is where Jessica spends her time, to retailer are working together? Craig, let's start with you. This is a great topic because we really enjoy working with the supply side and the producer side. As you know, Costco recently opened a very large poultry processing facility in Nebraska where we're supporting upwards to 175, 200 family farmers that are providing 2 million birds a week to our processing facility. And we're really excited about that collaboration there. And then every one of our beef and pork suppliers, we have really strong collaboration where we know what they do. We set 
some expectations, they set some expectations, and we work together to get that great product that our members want. Because at the end of the day, when you think about that, the end of the day for a company like ours is being able to provide our Costco members with great prices on great products all the time. And that takes very close collaboration with all the way down to the feed yards, all the way back up to where the cattle are converted and broken into the cuts that we need. And then we finish cutting in our buildings. So I can't think of a more important collaboration. And it's the same on the produce side. We want to work directly with growers on quality delivery, that whole supply chain, to make sure that our our member is getting what they want. That's very interesting. So you're more vertically aligned, at least on poultry. But can you give us, Craig, some examples of what that collaboration looks like when you're collaborating with beef and pork suppliers? What kinds of things are you doing? What does that collaboration look like? Well, when you look at it, let's talk about uh, the beef side first. I'm on the board for Progressive Beef, which is another feed yard organization that really works on animal welfare and antibiotic use, for example, in feedlots. And uh, it's important to us that we know that those good records are happening because our members are asking questions about how beef are treated. What's the level of antibiotics that are being used in the beef complex? So working with the suppliers has been, you know, something that we couldn't do what we do today without them. I mean, without these great collaborations, we couldn't perform. And, and working with companies that keep us in the loop on what's happening with animal welfare, with some of the things that are going on, most people don't think that retailers work at that level. We certainly do, and I've got a whole staff that does nothing but that, making sure that we're doing things the right way and working with our suppliers in the right way. Also really proud of our buyers when they set up specifications for a particular item, working with that beef, pork, or poultry supplier to make sure it works in their system and it'll work in ours. And those are really great examples of collaboration and examples of where we should be working together because we know consumers have concerns about food and and what's in their food and how their food is grown and raised. And so that's a really great example of working together to make sure we're meeting consumer expectations. But if we work together from the farm and organizations like the Beef Alliance to the table retailer, Costco, That's an area where we could all share the story, the accurate story of how our food is grown and raised, whether it's beef or pork or chicken or lettuce. Of course. Yeah. I mean, the real problem would be not to collaborate. You know, two minds are better than one. Ten minds are better than five. And working together in these collaborations, especially in this area, is very, very important because who wants to be in that canoe alone? It takes a bunch of smart people working together to come up with the appropriate outcome. It may not be the outcome that the NGOs want, but what's the appropriate outcome for the animal and for the consumer? We've just entered into a project called Z to Z, where we're going to take 
Generation Z kids from agriculture and introduce them to the Generation Z kids that are suburban and urban and let them get to know each other. Find out what each of them does. So we're going to be including feedlots in that discussion, poultry processing facilities. So these guys can open up a dialogue and understand where their food comes from and maybe share that information over social media or communicate in the new ways that are available to the up and coming generations on what animal agriculture and agriculture general is. We think it's pretty exciting and uh, to start getting information out there that's proactive and moving forward. That sounds like a fantastic program and I'd love to learn more. So you said open door policy, being completely transparent, opening the dialogue, and being willing to listen to jointly find shared solutions. Jessica, why don't you jump in here on on how you have found that collaboration works best? Certainly. So I think Craig's answers are spot on, you know, from a more producer-oriented focus, I would say any type of top-down mandatory approach is is not going to go over well with a bunch of cattle feeders, a bunch of cattlemen. But that being said, industry-derived best practices are what work really, really great in the beef cattle industry. And those come from market signals and communication from consumers, retailers, packers. So the Beef Quality Assurance Program, that is an industry-derived voluntary program that is adopted across the country, across multiple different segments of the industry, regardless of size. And that allows cattle feeders, cattle producers to make sure that they are putting forth the best management tools, worker safety, animal health, vaccination protocols that demonstrate they are committed to meeting consumer demand. So that would be some of that collaboration. I know uh, we talked a little bit about progressive beef. That's one of the audit systems that some of our retailers have adopted then as another third-party verification. So as long as it's a industry-developed protocol that's well-established as a best practice, that's communicated to those in the value chain that's much better than a top-down mandated approach. And I think this is another place where collaboration is really important because what we don't want to see happen is an NGO-created issue that then is you know, forced on retailers who then make supply chain <laughs> decisions that trickle down to the producer and might have an unintended consequence for animal welfare. Part of the genesis of our Advancing Animal Welfare Together Symposium was to bring people from all parts of the food chain together to have these open, transparent dialogues so that we could hear from the retailers what's on your minds, you know, what are you hearing from your consumers, and then on the farm ranch side of the table, we can talk about what's possible. This is just such a great conversation. So let's pivot now and talk about innovation and technology. We touched on it a little bit as we opened up, but let's talk about what's available now and, and what's on the horizon to help the food industry from farm to retailer thrive in this ever-changing environment. 
keeping in mind our shared challenges that we all have to deal with no matter what, where can the beef and retail industries leverage innovation and collaborate to help navigate these challenges, particularly in this year three of the pandemic? And Jessica, I know the Beef Alliance mission includes being a trusted leader that drives positive change while enhancing transparency and stewardship, and you're very focused on the consumer. Why don't you start us off? How is the beef industry leveraging innovation? Sure. Thanks for that question, Jane. The Beef Alliance, we've really looked at innovation and fostering innovation as a way to differentiate ourselves in the beef industry. So individually, Beef Alliance members have pursued research and innovation initiatives that give them a competitive advantage among their peers. However, in terms of total agriculture innovation, only 3% has been focused on production animal agriculture. And the Alliance is working to fill that gap. That's a huge gap. So we came together as a group to focus on innovation measures that benefit the entire industry tearing away some of that competitiveness and making sure that we do what's best for the industry. So last year was our inaugural startup challenge pitch competition. We call it our Shark Tank for Feed Yards program. And it's where Alliance really put their money where their mouth is and sorted through 30 plus applicants. They listened to the top 10 pitches and the winner was announced and, and received $50,000 of Alliance member money for the purpose of helping that company, it was a company named Resilient Biotics, work through and get their feet off the ground. So we continue to look for ways to minimize costs at our level that you know we don't want to ship down towards the consumer. And it's hard when there are still some bottleneck challenges that we're facing But in terms of leveraging innovation, that needs to become more and more important and apparent in the industry to ensure that we have some viability and sustainability for the next generation to come into the cattle feeding world. That's fantastic. Craig, Costco directly serves the consumer and is focused on value. What role does innovation play on your side of the food value chain? So when you talk about innovation at our level, I don't want to make anybody feel bad because, you know, I'm a cow-calf operator in Montana, for example, and I do understand how important innovation is at my level there. Innovation at the retail level means something different. It's when you go into a place to shop, for example, you find all the items you want. They're trouble-free. You can get the items. You can put them in your cart. You go up to the front. You put them on the belt. And then you can scan your credit card and leave. No money changes hands. Or you can show them your picture of your Costco membership on your cell phone. And all we do is scan that picture and your purchases are put onto your credit card and away you go. So we look at a lot of innovation like that, a lot of really member-sensitive innovation that improves that shopping experience. So that's one way to look at innovation at retail, or what are the things that we can do to bring more value 
to you guys as Costco members? What's going to make your life a little easier? Now, on the agriculture side, for example, we're looking at growing romaine in automated robotic greenhouses and producing tremendous amount of romaine with six people. Tremendous innovation doing that. When you look at the innovation that's coming on in feed mills, we have a big interest in that because that's going to help Jessica and her gang when it comes to improving the on-site feed mills that the, the feed yards have. So lots of new innovation there. All of this relates back to value for the Costco member. So quite frankly, we'd be remiss by not making sure that we're actively embracing what's coming down the pipe if it makes good sense. And most of these things show a really good payback. And that's what we have to look at also. And that's the hard part of this discussion, I think, is that, yes, innovation costs money. But how much does it really cost? And what's the payback? And how does the consumer benefit? It's a wide open door for us. When we look at supply chain management, we look at blockchain, we look at all the things that we're doing. The Costco Data Hub is really interesting in that our suppliers can input data into the Data Hub and we can view it in our format and they can put it in the Data Hub in any format they want. Pretty stunning stuff. Right, right. Okay, so let's move on to our last topic today while I have you both here. I think it's safe to say we could not have anticipated this pandemic and the unprecedented repercussions to the supply chains. Animal protein supply chains were turned upside down. Jessica, you talked about that earlier in our conversation. Currently, demand is strong for all proteins, including beef, pork, and poultry. And at the same time, retail prices have gone up substantially and consumers are still paying. I know sometimes there's a concern that price goes up and consumers will push back, but so far that that hasn't happened. As we know that the supply chain struggles will likely continue for the foreseeable future in 2022, and we know that consumers are grappling with inflation and and balancing using food to enhance their health with what they can afford to buy, in each of your areas of the supply chain, how are you looking to meet consumer expectations in this environment of inflation while also dealing with the realities of supply and production? Craig, let's start with you. You know, our strategy is going to be purely simply keeping our eye on the ball and getting back to basics and making sure that we're getting the right item at the right price at the right time. And we understand this inflationary situation that we're in. We really are. And we work real hard not to ever raise prices. And that's why we're considered such a low-cost operator. I, I mean, we have incredibly low margins compared to everybody else. We're able to drive a lot of volume on the items we do buy. And so, yes, prices have gone up. And do I think they're going to go up even more? It's tough to say. But we're going to keep our eye right on the ball. We're going to stick to the basics that have always worked for us. And we found that when we do that, we really help our suppliers, too. Because without our supplier base, we don't have a business. So we have to understand where they're coming from 
and they have to understand and do where we're coming from and what we're trying to do and what our goal is here. And our goal is always to take care of you guys, the Costco member, with high-value items. And uh, I can tell you the meat case is the, one of the most important places we start. Right, right. So that's great. It's another example of collaboration. You're working with your suppliers. Jessica, what about the Beef Alliance? Like all Americans, uh, the Beef Alliance members, inflation and cost is certainly front of mind. And we will continue to collaborate with our supply chain partners to address the issue. And one thing we would say is the story of beef quality that the industry has focused on and developed over the last 30 years is why we continue to see record high demand, even at some of the prices we are seeing. So that that's a great story that consumers want our product. We also operate on a razor thin margin. This is a razor thin margin industry and any policies that are in place or could potentially be in place that increase costs and decrease efficiencies, that's not good. It will raise costs for production and we're cognizant of that because we don't want to pass it down to to consumers and jeopardize their demand for our product. So continued conversations across the supply chain, looking for ways to minimize costs at at our level to ensure that consumers have access to affordable product is key. Still addressing some of those bottleneck challenges, some of those labor shortages, but as long as we continue to just have open dialogue and utilize the amazing beef animal to be as flexible as possible, we're confident we can we can help consumers through this issue. Great. So more collaboration, more open dialogue, and more focus on the consumer. And and so before we close, let's focus on the consumer one last time and, and talk about how consumers are really looking toward food as a means to improve their health and, and how they want transparency, which is a little bit of a moving target. And they're also concerned about sustainability. How important are all these things, Jessica, to the Beef Alliance? Every single one of them is important. There are clear market signals at play here that the Alliance is committed to address. We already produce the safest, most affordable, highest quality product using fewer beef animals, fewer precious natural resources, and producing more beef. And so that is a real testament to technology and to the commitment of beef producers and Beef Alliance members to the consumer. And Craig, what about at Costco? Thinking about providing healthy options, transparency, and making sure that you're dealing with suppliers who have sustainability at the forefront. You know, all three are are just stunning topics to begin with. When we look at healthy food and transparency, they go hand in hand. And it's all about choices, too. Is Costco providing our members with the choices they want and need to make sure they're getting healthy food? And are the label and is everything that about that item transparent enough for them to make an appropriate decision? We think that transparency at that level is critically important. We require complete transparency from our suppliers. We 
We certainly want to share that through labeling on every food item that we sell. Sustainability in today's world goes without saying. I mean, we've added over the last two years probably 25 or 30 people in our sustainability department, and it's just going to continue to get bitter because it helps business. I mean, there's a business component here of sustainability when you look at it from 10,000 feet that says, oh my goodness, why aren't we doing this and this and this? So I think you, you hit on three great topics. Right, that we could spend an hour on each. You could. You, you really could. <laughs> well, Jessica and Craig, this has been an, an enlightening conversation for me, and I'm sure it will be for our listeners today. Thank you for joining me and for sharing your insights and knowledge on caring for animals and creating trust. And thanks also to our listeners for joining the podcast. We'll see you next month. Mm-hmm.